28 says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. 3.1 See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take, to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you to thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord. The greatest thing that we want to celebrate today is that you have called us your children. For those of us that have given our lives to you and put our faith in your son Jesus, for our salvation, you have given us the right to be called children of God. And we celebrate that this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you may help us to understand who we are in you. And help us to respond to all that you've done with lives of surrender, lives of obedience. Help us to recognize who we are. Help us to recognize you in us and live from that place, Lord. That place of identity, identifying ourselves with you, Lord. Strengthen us, help us to be encouraged by this word, and help us to be able to move forward and be more and more like you. And we ask you this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So uh, the big idea is that Christians' identity is rooted in God the Father, and this leads them to live in obedience. As we all know, we are in a series in discipleship. And one thing that we want to recognize that as Christians, we are all called to be disciples of Jesus. Uh, a disciple is a learner, an apprentice, or a student. And as Christians, we have all been called children of God. So it is through Christ that we are made children of God. So once we were far off, once we were enemies of God, once we were children of wrath, and according to this word that we read, as sinners, as practicing sinners, we were children of the devil because we followed his ways. But God has called us to a new life through Jesus. He's called us to a, a new life through understanding him as our father. And we know that um, 
We find our identity in our father. Just like you find your identity in your earthly father and, and in your earthly mother and you have some characteristics of theirs. The same way we have our, earth, our, our heavenly father and we are supposed to have some similar characteristics to him. So one thing is that we are accepted as God's children. And that's one thing I, if, if I really want us to understand that. If we have given our lives to Christ, we are children of God. So on our best day or on our worst day, we are his and he is ours. We are his and he is ours. So the father calls us children. In the beginning, I'm going to start one verse and maybe go backwards. So hopefully I won't lose anybody. But I'm going to start with 3.1 because I think that's the main verse in the text. Uh, 3.1 says, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does, did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. So, in the, in the NIV it says, what great love. In the NASB it says, how great a love. So we recognize that the love of the Father is something to be celebrated. It's something to be great. It's something that's amazing. We have a special relationship with the God that created the heavens and the earth. And he has called us to be his children. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, and, and honestly, I, I think almost after worship and after the, the, the verses that, that Mike was reading during communion, I almost feel like I don't have to preach. I feel like there was just so much truth there. I was just... uh just being moved and touched by the by the truth that we that we were singing and also what we were focusing on in communion. But I'm going to speak anyway. So anyway, so uh, uh, Ephesians chapter one verse three says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him." In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his, of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So Paul is praising God here, that he has, the God, he's praising God the Father, who has blessed us through many blessings through Jesus. He has called, called us and, and made us to be holy and blameless, and he has predestined us to be his children. He has called us his beloved, and all of this through the grace of God. When I think about these verses, when I first was, what, I mean, when I was preparing, I was reading this, I was just like, wow. There is so much truth here, and here we see the heart of the Father. Because the truth is, a lot of times before we're, we're, we're part of the body of Christ, we see, um, we see, uh, church or we see God as someone that's far off, as someone that's just harsh, and we don't understand His heart. And even through salvation, one of the things that we know is that He can, He could have saved us, He could have erased our sins and died for our sins without necessarily calling us His children. One of the special points of our relationship with God is that He calls us into His family. The God that created the heaven and the earth, the perfect, holy God, looked at us, sinners, look at us that were far off, and He desired to make us part of His family. Isn't this something that's beautiful? Isn't this something that's amazing? John 1.12 says, As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Galatians 3.26 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And I think that one of the reasons why adoption 
is so special. When I talk about adoption, you know, when, when children are adopted, you know, natural children, human children are adopted, I think that, you know, it sort of, put, it sort of displays the heart of the father. A parent goes around and goes through a whole process to go and he, and he pursues a child. He's the one that initiates this relationship. It's not the child that says, hey, um, I want, I want you to be my dad. The parent is going around seeking for this child. The child himself will probably never understand the emotional investment, the financial investment, and all the time that was put into this. But the father goes and he chooses this child who is not part of his family, who is far away from him, and he calls that child his own. And he gives them his name. And this perfectly portrays the heart of the father. We were far off, but God called us to be his children. He's called us to be part of his family. He's called us to be members of his family and to reap the benefits of that. Oh, what kind of love the father has given to us. See what kind of love the father has given to us. And I understand that sometimes during Father's Day, it's hard for some people. Maybe, uh, maybe we struggle to understand the relationship with God as Father. Maybe, maybe our fathers weren't around or maybe we had a bad relationship with our fathers. And sometimes this tends to, to skew our perception of God. You know, maybe our earthly fathers didn't represent God to us well. And this is reality. Maybe they didn't even know they were supposed to. Or maybe we have not represented God to our children. So sometimes that could be a hurtful time for us. But I want you to know that there is grace for both. There is forgiveness in both. There is forgiveness for you to come to God. If you haven't uh, been a godly father, there is forgiveness in Christ. And also there is the power to forgive your father if he has not been a, a godly example to you. And also maybe, maybe our fathers are not here. I believe that God has the ability to somewhat uh, uh, fulfill that place of father. We might not have physical fathers here, but God and his heart can be and wants to be your father. He wants to be your heavenly father and he wants to heal you of whatever, whatever was caused by the relationship with, with, with either you and your children or, or your, your, the relationship between you and your father. God wants to heal and his heart of forgiveness he wants to give to us so that we can forgive our, our earthly fathers. So um, what, what we can do is we can come to God and we can ask for forgiveness, ask him to help us mold us into the godly example that he wants us to be. Because He God wants to father our children through us. He wants to father our children through us. He wants us to be his representative that when our children look at us, they understand the heart and the love of the father because of it. So like I said, there is, there is, there's forgiveness, there is grace, uh, let us continue to pursue, uh, peace, whether either with our children that we may have hurt, or peace with our fathers that may have hurt us. And we can only do this through the power of God. Amen? So, one thing that, 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 um, that, that when we, when we think about our relationship with God, this gives us assurance as His children. When we are His children, nothing can separate us from Him. No matter what I did to my dad, I was always his son. No matter what my kids do to me, and they do a lot, you know, they, they, I, they, I am always their dad. And one thing that, that you know, when we were, when we were singing uh, uh, No Longer Slave, all I was just thinking about was, was the assurance. When it says, you know, I'm not a slave to fear. The fear that is speaking about, and even in Galatians, uh, I think it's chapter 4, 
It's speaking about the fear of being left alone. The fear of not belonging. The fear of being on your own. And we do not have that fear anymore because we are assured that we are the children of God if we have given our lives to Him. We are the children of God. And uh, uh, John 10.28 says that He gives us eternal life and then no one can snatch him out of, uh, snatch us out of His hands. Through Jesus, we have been uh, made uh, children of God. And we have new birth, and this new birth produ- produces new behaviors. So a children grow up, and they, they look like their, their, their parents in a sense. So we are to grow and to look more and more like our Heavenly Father. And when we speak about our relationship with God, this should bring humility to us as we are humbled that God calls us as children and also should bring security to us. So um, God wants us to, out of this relationship, to be molded, to be more and more like him. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So the children of God who enter the family of God through faith in the son of God display the father's likeness because they are being conformed to Jesus, who is the perfect image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15 says this about Jesus, that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact imprint. He is the, 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 the exact representation of God. And the word of God is the revelation of God. So as we allow the word of God to mold us and to shape us to be more like Jesus, we are becoming more and more like our Father. And this is what our identity is in God the Father. This is our DNA to become and to be molded like Jesus as his followers so that we can become more and more like our heavenly father. So this is the, the, the process that we go through. And, and, you know, Jesus said many times while he was on earth, if you know me, you know the father. If you see me, you see the father. So he also say, if you don't see me, you don't know me. If you don't accept me, accept me, then you really do not know who the father is. So anyway, going back to verse 28. It says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, he may have, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming, at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So the proof that we are the child, a child of God is that we practice righteousness. So, and one, one, in verse 28, it says, now as little children abide in him. A couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, Keith was talking about that a disciple abides in Christ. And abiding is to have this remaining uh, union with him, having a communion with Christ. And this is characterized by trust, by prayer, by obedience, and by joy. And obedience is not necessarily just doing things that are one to, that, that, that are, it's not about the action, it's about the heart of obedience. So in, in, First John 5, it says that His commands are not burdensome for, to us. So it should be our joy to be able to do what Jesus wants us to do because we are part of the family of God. So as we grow and as we surrender and become more and more like Christ, we are looking more like our Father. In James 2, it says that faith without works is dead. And he says that he shows his faith by his works. We say we are children of God, but unless our life reflects it, guess what? We need to ask ourselves, are we really children of God? According to the verses that, that we, are, that we are, are, are speaking about here. So when Jesus comes back at his second coming, are we going to be fearful? 
Or are we going to be like like children running running to to the to not the Jesus father, but you know the the, the like when I get, when I get home and I look at my dog Miko, I know whether he did something or not. Because if he did something, he starts he goes to the kitchen and there's this spot that he goes next to the table and he's like, and if I get close to him, he starts running around and get, goes under the table, and then we have the, this whole process of two of us having to corner him. But when he's do, when he's doing fine. He comes and he starts jumping on me and wants to lick my face. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's the same thing, you know, at his second coming is what's the attitude that we're going to have? I mean, and, and of course, th- this is not talking about salvation or not. This is, this is about us as children of God. You know, whether, whether, you know, a lot, the Bible says that, that our ungodly works are going to be burned up like straw. So anyway, when, but, but John saw this day as a, as a glorious, awesome hope. He saw the hope, this hope of, of seeing Jesus face to face as a powerful motivation for the present. He understood that the Bible says that we will be glorified, we will be more like him when we see him. So this should motivate us to be more like him now in the present day. As we abide in Christ and as we, and as we are conformed to his image, um, we, we, we should find joy in this. Excuse me. So salvation is more than just a rescue from sin. It is a, a complete renovation and transformation of the soul. As he has called us his beloved, uh, we love him and we follow his ways. And so, so we, this is the great hope that we have in Christ, that we will see him face to face. And this, uh, th- th- this should also motivate us to, to, to be more and more like him. In verse 3, it says, everyone who, who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So while verse 2 was the definition of the Christian hope, verse 3 is the, the definition of what, what should be our response. We should respond with delight in being like him. And, and the hope and, and, the, and the confidence that we have in him should cause us to pursue purity and holiness. Well, in the message translation, verse 3, it says, all of us who look forward to his coming... Stay ready with the glistening of pure, the purity of Jesus, Jesus' life as a model for our own. I'll read that again. All of us who look forward to his coming, stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. Our hearts have been cleansed, our lives have been cleansed, and we find hope in Christ. So the Father has called us His children, and it is through new birth that our lives have been transformed. It is through Jesus that we have this new birth. So He came not only to save us, but He came to give us true life. And one, and He, the Son of God, came to deliver us from our sin. Verse four says, "Anyone who practices, who who makes a practice of sinning, also practices lawlessness." Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known, or, or known him. So if we read these verses without reading the rest of the book, it might be like, okay, so if I sin once or if I stumble, then that means that I don't belong to God. That's not what the Bible is saying here. The Bible is saying that if you continue in sin, if you live in habitual sin, um, and, and, and with the Bible, we have to let the Bible interpret the Bible, and we have to let John interpret John, and we can, in this case, we could let 1 John interpret 1 John. If you go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message that we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you. 
that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the, we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is, as he is the light, we have fellowship with him, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. And uh, Chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father and that's Jesus Christ, the righteous. So, to use a, an example that, that my friend uses, there's a difference between tripping and falling into the pig pen and diving into it. So the truth is, when we when we are when we live a life where there's constant sin and there's no transformation and we're not looking more and more like Jesus or looking more like our heavenly Father, this is a challenge to us. Do I really belong to Jesus? Because if 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 the if the character of God is not displayed in us, we got to ask ourselves this: lawlessness means rebellion and disregard and rejection of God's rightful rule as the Lord of your life. That is different than tripping up, because all of us trip up. We all make mistakes. We all fail. But then, what does the Bible say in verse nine? It says that that we can confess our son our sins to God, and He will forgive us. So forgiveness is available for us. But we uh, but like I said. When there, there, it sh- sin shouldn't be what describes us. If we have the identity of God and the Father living in us, this shouldn't be something that 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 should uh, should describe who we are. Um, although we we fail, because every time we sin, we are rebelling against God. So what happens there? Does this continue to do we continue to go down this path, or do we re- repent? Do we come to God humbly, ask for forgiveness, and turn from our sin, ask Him for help, and then walk righteously? Which is the way that that God's people uh, should should uh, should respond. So no one who abides in Him continues in habitual sin and lawlessness, because we have the power of God's Spirit living inside of us to empower us to overcome sin. So, like I said, there's a difference between someone tripping into the pig pen and someone diving into the pig pen and having no concern with the consequences or what that means. Because one of the things that I think that it's proof of our relationship with God is that the, our deepest desire is to want to please Him in all that we do. So there's a, there's a, a, a tool that is, that is, oh, I'm gonna, there's a tool that is used to, uh, call the covenant triangle that's to, that teaches us about how we live in obedience to God. And we see the triangle, the top of the triangle says, Father, right? So we recognize that God is our Father. And if we go down the right side, we see identity. So we find our identity in Him as His children. And from there, we move on to obedience. So God is our Father. We find our identity in Him as, as, our, as, as His children. And, and from that position of His children, this inspires us to walk in obedience. But some of us tend to walk the other way around. We, we see Him as Father, so we think that we need to walk in obedience in order for us, for, for us to identify ourselves with Him. We feel like we need to walk in obedience in order to, to become his children. And this is more like a slave mentality than a, than a child mentality. We are his children. Those of us that have given our lives to 
to God. We are His children, and because of that, that causes us to walk in obedience. Out of, out of worship, out of appreciation and love for all that He's done, this causes us to walk in obedience. So, um, let's not get it backward. If we are children of God, then if, if we, if we belong to Him and He is our Father, we are His children, and this should inspire us, uh, to walk in obedience. So uh, out of out of the relationship we have with him, we depend on him even to strengthen us and, and the spirit of God to mold us and help us to become more and more like him. So I, I think that John was speaking to, you know, in, in this in this uh, in this letter, he was speaking to Christians that were fully assured of their relationship with God. He's speaking to Christians that were struggling with assurance. He was speaking with with people that were falsely assured about their salvation. And he was speaking to people that just didn't know, that there were known non-believers. So as we hear this and we understand the challenge for God's people to walk in his ways, we need to ask ourselves, which one of these are we? Are we the short Christian that's saying, I am thankful that I'm a child of God because he'll never leave us or forsake, or leave me or forsake me? Are we the one that's struggling and saying, I know I'm a child of God, but because I see some inconsistencies in my life, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if he really loves me. Or are we the ones that, that need to be challenged and say, man, maybe I don't belong to him. Maybe the, these verses I'm reading are supposed to challenge me and cause me to come to him in repentance. So the spirit of God lives inside of us and, and vicks us and it molds us to be more and more like Jesus. So the son of God also came to the, destroy the works of the devil. Uh, verse seven says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So we have an internal enemy that's our flesh, and we have an external enemy that is the devil. And he and, and Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan in our lives. So if we belong to Christ, how can we continue to walk in sin? How can we, uh, how, his salvation through Christ should cause us to walk the way that Jesus walked, to do the right thing and to, and to, and to make, to purify ourselves and, and to love one another. And how does this happen? This happens through us abiding in Christ. It is not about us, like I said, it is from the position of children of God that we walk into obedience. It is in abiding in Christ. And having this relationship with him, like I said, a continued connection with him and being in prayer and his word and constantly repenting and being in surrender to him, that God starts to mold us and to make us more like, like him. So it's not the, the other way around where we do this in order to be accepted is because we are, well, maybe I can do it this way. So because we are accepted, this is what motivates us to walk in his ways. So, he, you know, in verse seven, he, is, he says about not being deceived. In other words, there are people that are deceived. They, they, they believe that they, that they belong, uh, to God, but their life is gonna reflect that. It is impossible for us, who have the Spirit of God living inside of us, to continuously live in habitual sin. So if we continuously live in habitual sin, then we need to ask ourselves, which one of those four are we? And like I said, this is not meant to, you know, to put someone down. It's meant to say, hey, there is more to life than what you know. Jesus wants to save our soul. He is calling us to come to him in repentance because we are not made righteous by what we do. We, but, but because we are children of God, this enables us to walk in righteousness. 
So the Son of God also came to set us apart as children of God. Uh, the word set apart, the word holy means to be set apart. In other words, to be used only for God's glory. So when in the in the tabernacle they used to have, you know, forks that were used for uh, to pick up the meat that was sacrificed. You know, the the priest didn't take that fork home to eat dinner with that night. You know, it was only to be used as an article of worship in the tabernacle. And we are the same way. We are supposed to be used, we are set apart for God and supposed to be used only to bring glory and honor to God. Not to, not to, not for sin, but for God's glory. Verse 9 says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this is, by, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So we are born of God, the seed of God is in us, and we cannot keep on sinning. You know, we've been born again, and like I said earlier, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. So give, this gives us a place to be able to repent and turn from our sins to have, to, to be, to become children of God if we haven't. And the seed of God in different commentaries, some, some, they were saying that they weren't sure if it was the Holy Spirit or the Word of God inside of us or Christ inside of us or the new nature. But either way, it's about that God is living inside of us and this is what causes us to walk in righteousness. And it speaks about abiding, like I said, continuously abiding in this uh, in this uh, relationship with God. Because the regeneration, being born again, regeneration does not produce invisible or rotten fruit. It produces fruit that comes from a relationship with God. And we go back to John 15 when it talks about that He is the vine and we are the branches. It is through abiding in Christ that this fruit is produced. Is The branch doesn't produce the fruit, but it bears the fruit. It is the vine that produces the fruit. So whenever anything that God wants to produce in our lives is fruit that comes out of our relationship with Him. It's not us that tries to produce the fruit. We can't. Our job is to abide and continuously have this relationship. So even for those of us that are struggling, the way to overcome the struggle and to live in righteousness is to allow Jesus to to live that righteousness through us. He has the power. It's about us connecting with him. And um, verse 10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So it's saying that this is the evidence that who are the, if we walk in righteousness, as I said earlier, then it means that we are children of God. If we walk, if we do not walk in righteousness, but walk in sin, then that means that we are not children of God. But the, but there is always an invitation to become his children. There's always an invitation, and it always starts with repentance. And we don't, we don't repent unless we realize we are sinners. So the word of God is, it, it, the, the law of the word of God, it crushes our heart to leads us to, to the grace of God, which heals us. So even though these words might be harsh, the desire of God is to, is for you to come and to be part of his family, to be part of his children. And, and if you are a believer that's struggling, it's for you to surrender your life so that there can be proof that the that the that the word of God, that the spirit of God live inside of you. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. John thirteen thirty five says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 
First uh, John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has, has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Love is righteousness lived out in relationship with others. So the righteousness of God is seen in our relationship with other people through love. The righteousness of God is seen in our relationship with other people through love. So when God lives inside of us and his righteousness is in us, it's seen by the love that we have for other people. We are known, the people will know us as God's people by the love that we have for one another. And this love is not something we produce on our own again. It's coming from abiding in Jesus. He produces that love, even though we bear it and it comes out of us. First John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for, for our brothers. So we can only live out this perfect love through him. And when we see us as, as, as this example that Jesus has given us with his perfect love, it is only through him that we can live out this perfect love. As we celebrate Father's Day, the greatest thing for us to look at is the fact that our Heavenly Father has called us to be his. He's called us to be his. We should find uh, uh, peace. We should find assurance of our salvation for those of us that have given our lives to him. And also in these verses, we see a challenge. If we do not walk in righteousness, then that means that we are not of God. If we walk in righteousness, then we see that the fruit of God or the DNA of God, the identity of God is coming out of us. But to know, if, if, like, like we, in order, in order for us to know that we have to, uh, look at this, um, this test, if we will, if, 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 if God, um, if God, if God's character is seen in us. So just to close up some, uh, Application points. What we need to do uh, is to meditate on the Father's love. See what God says about himself and see what God says about you. And my prayer is that every time that we read about the Father in Scripture is that we understand how great a love the Father has given us. How amazing a love the Father has given us. And it is uh, through Jesus that he makes this love available. We, 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 through Christ and salvation in him, we are, we are called children of God. And our righteousness causes us to see that we are children of God. But also there's a test. If there's a lack of righteousness in our life, then that means that God is still calling us to him to, to, to save us. Also, if you are a child of God, then live out your identity by pursuing righteousness. Abide in Him. Allow Him to just uh, breathe His life into you and surrender your life to Him. Also, we need to take an honest, an honest look at ourselves. Take a look at our life. Do you represent God in your life? Is your life characterized by righteousness? Or is it characterized by rebellion? Is it characterized by, by sin? But just know that God is merciful and He's calling you to Himself. Which one of the four people are you? Are you the one that's assured of your salvation? Are you, are you the child of God that's just struggling with assurance? Or are you the one that has a false assurance of your salvation? Or are you one that just has nothing to do with God? Either way, God is calling you towards Him. So take a look at, take an honest look at your life. And also, if you are a father, 
let the heart of the Heavenly Father inspire you to be a father like Him. Reflect the love of the Father to your children. God is love. God is also He's a perfect Father in everything that He does. He disciplines His children. He's tender towards them. He's strong towards them. So you ask yourself, if you're a father, do you look like the Heavenly Father? And if not, like I said, there's always grace and there is mercy. And God wants to produce this fruit in your life. So see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. go into this response time I just want to share with you all a moment in my walk with the Lord early on as a younger Christian um, I remember when I wasn't very secure in my identity as a child of God not as secure as I am now and the Father's love for me and I struggled with it and the way that that manifested was when I didn't measure up in spiritual disciplines as maybe others or as expectations that I put on myself. Um, and specifically, there was this corporate fast that I was participating in with a, a friend of mine's church. And uh, it was a 10-day fast. And I went four days in to that. And on the fourth day, I ate some Cheetos. And I felt terrible. I just felt condemned. I'm like, man, I'm such a sorry Christian. And I just was walking around like I was this like pathetic, unloved Christian because I broke my fast by eating some Cheetos. I hadn't eaten for four days, nothing but water, right? Like, come on, you know, it's some Cheetos, big deal. And so I'm like sitting there, I didn't even feel worthy to be at the service that night. I'm like, I'm just going to go. Like I struggled. I so struggled to walk into that place because I thought, man, they're all fasting still. And I'm just ate these Cheetos. I'm such a sorry Christian. And it was, it was such the, it was such a stronghold of just condemnation, the, the accuser of the brethren just speaking over me. Where, where I just, I wasn't free yet. I wasn't secure in the Father's love yet. And I remember I was, I was at that worship service and I was just longing to have my earthly father just give me a big hug and just tell me he loves me and he's proud of me. My dad died when I was about 15 years old. And, uh, and right at that moment, God met me in my longing, in my brokenness, in my failure, and he just gave me this hug from him. I just felt, I experienced in that moment of worship the embrace of the Father's love, and it was so pure. And I just I just began to cry. And God just was just showering love on me. And and that stuff just broke right there and my heart just melted and I just softened and that condemnation just was silenced and so this this um, afternoon now uh, I just want to pray that that would happen right now for anybody who's in that place that that condemnation the accuser the voice of the enemy would just be silenced and that the love of the father would just be poured out 
poured into your heart, poured out over you, that you would experience his embrace as we sing about his Father's love. How deep the Father 